What up, fam? Welcome to episode 11 of the Off the Waitlist podcast. Today, I get to talk to the amazing Ashley Davies. She's a fitness coach, education reformer, co founder of Run CSRD here in Seattle. Uh, she's on the board of Girls on the Run uh, Puget Sound, which is this great organization to inspire girls um, to move, to inspire, to be joyful, healthy, and confident. And so really excited for you guys to hear her insight, her story, uh, her wisdom. We had a great, great conversation and really excited. I've been, man, I've been really lucky getting some amazing guests, all 10 guests, I guess, since this is the 11th, I had that Shang-Chi podcast, but uh, the 10 guests that I've had other than that Shang-Chi podcast has been, I'm feel really, really lucky in it being Thanksgiving week. I'm very, very thankful for this amazing community. So anyway, that's enough babbling. So without further ado, let's get it going. Oh my gosh. First of all, sorry, I'm late. Oh, no worries. No problem. Um, I uh, really appreciate you taking the time out. Um, you're by far the most requested person because <laughs> I always ask at the end of the podcast who people want to hear from and you're the most, the most wanted. So my five listeners <laughs> are really excited for this. Thank you so I'm much. Sure that, I'm sure there are more than five listeners. <laughs> um, got some great content. I appreciate that. Um, how you been? How's everything? What's, what's new? Um, I mean, I feel like there's new stuff every week, True. Uh, but, um, just like continuing to kind of partner with folks and, um, grow our, our running group and just like figure out what the community needs and try to bring it to life. So that's just constantly energizing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, you're amazing at that. Um, so something I do with my guests is we do a 60 second life story. We, we did this with the Lululemon group. This, uh, mm-hmm. from them. Uh, yeah. So you have 60 seconds for your life story. Good thing we have practice. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you have 15 seconds left, I'll give you a little flash. So you kind of have an idea. Okay. When we go. Cool. All right. Ready? And I'm just going to go when you said, when you tell me to go. Yeah, I'll go three, two, one, go. Boom. Just jumping right in. Okay. Yep. Cool. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Um, I'm Ashley Davies, and um, I've been out in the Pacific Northwest, Seattle specifically, for the past six years. I'm an East Coast girl, um, born and raised in the New Jersey area, although I don't claim it. Um, and before I came to Seattle, was out in New York City, um, the city that never sleeps, um, just like a super vibrant, diverse, just like such a rich, um, amazing place where I met some amazing people. Um, but I just knew that it wasn't, uh, wasn't the right fit for me long term. So I've been loving Seattle, um, just like the pace of life, the people, um, and being able to continue to grow a run community out here, which has been awesome. Um, and outside of running and fitness, I work full time for the school district. 
which um, continues to um, fill my passions uh, for youth as well. Wow, perfect timing. Mm -hmm. I, I can tell you're a fitness instructor. Uh, <laughs> that's, a hard, that's a hard question. I mean, about what you would say in 60 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of life to fit into 60 seconds. You just True. pick what you decide to talk about. You did, yeah, exactly. Which is like, I think the point of the exercise. Yeah. Um, wow, you did fit a lot in there. Um, so you grew up, you were, you're from the East Coast. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that. Yeah. You're, you said you were born in Jersey? I'm technically born in New York City. Like my birth certificate says Manhattan, which. Oh, snap. I, I like appreciate that. And, you know, my dad always reminds me. Um, yeah, you should take pride in that. Yeah, I um, I grew up in New Jersey in like a really, like a fairly rural part of town. Um, it was like 90 minutes outside of New York City and maybe like 60 minutes from Philadelphia. And uh, yeah. That's so cool. So you said you've lived here for the past six years? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's, that's pretty crazy considering how much you've done for the community. Like, where, where did all of that stem from? You know what? Let's save it. Mm. Let's start from the beginning. What were you like yeah. as a kid? What were you like? What was I like as a kid? Um, my, my, uh, my childhood had many layers to it. So I feel that that's always a difficult question for me to, to answer because it just like depends on like when you say like kid, like what time of life um, encompasses a kid. So I'm an only child. I don't think I said that in my 60 seconds, um, but if I did, I'm saying it again. I'm an only child. And um, I like, so basically like every neighbor was my friend mm -hmm. when I grew up. And uh, when I was really little, I was just like a really like social, like bubbly, like energetic uh, kid. Um, kind of bounced around from different activities. Like I used to dance and I used to twirl batons. I tried out gymnastics. Like I did all the, all the like traditionally like kind of girly activities. I didn't ever play any sports. Um, and uh, I just like had a, like, just, like a zest for life. Like I always a kid like who attracted a lot of energy. And then I'd say when I got to like middle school, I just like had a really difficult time just like navigating things like puberty and just just a recognition of like myself as a female and myself as like a black female. And I just had a like I didn't know how to navigate that and I didn't know how to talk about it. So I just kind of turned really inward, became really quiet um, and then had to navigate that for a few years and just tried to like relearn about myself in high school. Um, yeah. What, um, as an only child, like not really having anyone to talk to, like your brothers and sisters are generally people who you can like share stuff with. Right. So, mm -hmm. As far as, was it, do you feel like it was an identity thing trying to find your, 
own identity as far as, like you said, navigating being a black girl, growing into a black woman. Uh, were you around a lot of black people? So I didn't grow up around a lot of black people at all. Like when I, especially when I was, when I was much younger, you know, until I, elementary, middle, like I was one of the only black people. I was pro probably the only black person in my neighborhood. Mm. One of like a small number of black people who went to like my, who were lived in my town. So if we think about that, like traditional elementary to middle to high school um, kind of pathway, there just weren't a lot of black people. And then, um, so I think like that definitely made it a little bit different for me. You know, I, I don't think I had a recognition of that when I was younger. My mom definitely did. And she like, even to this day, will say like, you know, I wish, you know, I wish we lived around, like I wish we did things that were traditionally like associated with spaces that black people were in just so that I would be exposed more to that and feel connection in that way. Um, but, you know, to me, when I was really little, I didn't notice any, I, I didn't feel like I noticed any difference um, right. until I got to like, again, that like middle school age. And then it, then to me, it just, I don't know. I don't, I don't to this day really know what, what clicks. Mm. Um, what clicked about that time period. And I think it was a combination of like my body changing as a woman and just recognizing that that was the first thing that triggered, like, I don't feel like I'm like the other people. Like I felt basically like my body, like I matured earlier. I was like, I was like a bigger child and I just felt like I don't feel like the others. And then to throw like my blackness on top of that. Mm -hmm feel even more um, ostracizing right yeah because I grew up really fast too like I matured really fast um mm -hmm. me like me being Asian American I grew up uh in a Korean household and I grew up around Korean culture but I was kind of the opposite of you I, I like rejected it it wasn't anything like uh, I wasn't necessarily not exposed to it. I definitely was exposed to it, but I kind of rejected it. I didn't, I didn't really like being Korean American growing up. It was only recently that I, I started accepting it when it, cause usually it's like this slow roll, right? Like you said, you didn't, you, there wasn't like an event. It just kind of all of a sudden happened for you. Um, once you started to figure all that stuff out, was it confusing, weird, empowering? Like, you know, like, especially going into your high school years and college years, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like going into high school is when I actually first started running. So um, I, you know, I've, I've, I've talked a little bit about this publicly. I, I never used to just because it wasn't really a way that I felt like I wanted to identify. I felt like I kind of disassociated with it, but um, I had a pretty serious eating disorder when I was in uh, middle school, um, took a year off of school to just receive some really intense care and then came back to middle school, came back to high school. And like, it was just like, it never went. Like at first kids would, would tease you because you were too big and then you come back and they tease you because like you look too thin. Mm. But I had to, again, like that was part of 
me relearning everything, not only about myself, but also about socializing. I just, you know, I turned to my eating disorder as a way to control things that I felt like I couldn't control, like my changing body, the fact that like I was in a a, a body that I didn't know how to navigate from, again, a size and a color perspective in a place that I felt like didn't, I, I didn't see myself outside of that. And then, um, you know, um, just so much, so much change. And so right. for me, you know, I think the thing that really resonated with me as I got older is it was my way of escaping my problems. Like, some people run away, but I was just like, I don't want to deal with them. So I just shut down. And that was kind of my way of shutting down. And just, it was a call for attention um, and a combination of things. But when I got to high school, I decided to try out for, I decided to go into cross country because you didn't require tryouts. All you had to do was show up and like run. And I was like, do that. I was like, I'm a rule follower. I can go, I can show up, I can run. And, um, I just, I figured it would be a good way to meet people. Um, and I liked running. People were really mean. Like the girls on the team were so mean to me. Um, so I, I hated that part about it. Um, and I don't know, like, I honestly don't know what about it, like why they decided to be mean. Again, I told, like, I'm, I was a rule follower. So I would come to practice. I would follow the rules. I wasn't loud or obnoxious or anything like that. Um, but I think, again, people at that age are just like wanting to be a little bit rebellious and I didn't fit into that box. Um, and then after high school, I knew that in college, I still wanted to run, but academics were really important to me. And so um, I started, when I got to college, I thought I was going to be an econ major. Um, I was going to go like do business and finance. Um, and then I took an education class and I started formally like studying my identity as a black woman, like in school. Like I had this amazing professor who like, I basically kind of told her about what I had been navigating. Mm. It was, she approached it like, well, why don't you study this? Like, why don't you study this? Why don't you reflect on it? And so um, I think that's where I first started to find like some real connection. Like I joined the Black Student Union in college. And that was the first time that I was just, I just felt like comfortable having to, to try as hard. Yeah, I can imagine that being really an empowering feeling to all of a sudden find a big piece of your identity mm-hmm. in that setting and to be supported, have that professor or, who, or whoever it was to like, let's explore this. Let's like dig into it. You know, I think that's having those mentors is really so crucial. And uh, I'm so happy you had that. And now I can see why you are the way that you are because you had that person for you. And, and, you know, I think, I think you do a great job mentoring and just who, who you are. What, what do you do for the school district? What school district do you work in? So I work in Seattle Public Schools. Um, And so when I was in New York, I was working for New York City Public Schools. I worked um, helping support schools in the Bronx. And then as I mentioned, like, 
New York was a fa- like it was amazing. Like, but it also just wore me down. Like, mm-hmm. up at like dark, just like taking the subway, this and that, running up and down, mm-hmm. just so tiring. Like. <laughs> When I first moved to New York, I used to sleep till like 1 p.m. on Saturdays. I could not fathom sleeping. <laughs> when I first moved there, I literally like every Saturday, I would be in bed and not wake up till like 12, 1 o'clock, just because I was so physically tired. Just- that, sounds, that sounds like hibernation for the, yeah. from the week. I know. Um, yeah. And so here in Seattle, I came out for a role um, helping the city plan for growth amongst its schools. So um, it's not a role that they have everywhere, but when people learn about it, they're like, oh, that makes sense. But mm-hmm. Seattle has been growing so much over the past 10 years. And so with that growth, that means we need to build more schools. And so the team that I came to help support um, was doing that work. And so we've opened up a host of elementary schools, middle schools, we reopened the high school. Um, and then about two months ago, I moved into a different role, helping manage a few other operational teams in the district. So I work in the central office. I'm not like directly in schools most of the time. That's, that's so cool. You, those are random things you don't think about that's really important. Like, oh, yeah, Seattle is growing and getting more and more populated, seems like within this minute. And with that comes more kids, more schools. You don't realize, oh, we're going to have like 50 kids in a second grade class with one teacher. Like, what do we do? We got to, we got to open up more schools. Um, That's, that's really, I think, awesome work. Uh, Is it, is it as fulfilling as it sounds? It is. Yeah, I mean, it, it's challenging, you know, people would assume like, oh, this is so exciting, you're building new schools, like who, everyone loves a new school, but, but most people actually don't, because you have to move them from the school that they were previously assigned to, or school that like, you know, their mom went to, their grandfather went to, like, there's history there, and so, and, and people, people know what exists, they don't know something new. Right. right. Oh, so they're like, people often don't want to go to something new. They want to stay. But we're just like we talked about when something's full, like you can't keep putting children in a building that is full. Right. Um, and so normally, like the changes that we have to talk to communities about is faced with a lot of resistance. Seattle is super segregated. Um, mm. That comes out a lot in our conversations with communities about who's going to go to school where. I mean, you know, our schools are a microcosm of our city. So as segregated as our city is, our schools look the same way. So in some areas, that conversation is coded. In some areas, that conversation is very explicit. Ooh, I can't wait to dive into this. (laughs) And so, you know, we continue as a district to figure out, you know, the best way to navigate those conversations with the community um, in the way that's going to be best for kids. So fascinating to me. This is like, I love working with kids. Um, as liberal as Seattle seems to be, and as progressive as Seattle seems to be, you mentioned segregation and everything like that. What, like, what are some of the biggest issues that you see 
within schools as far as like segregation goes? Mm-hmm. I mean, our, our schools are just, are, they're just segregated. Like if you look at the city from the top to the bottom, like our North end has more white students because those areas are more white. You can look, there's a direct correlation between the cost of housing, like home value in an area and the racial demographics of an area, right? Mm-hmm. Prices, the whiter the families. And then you go further South, and things are gentrifying in, in South Seattle. Um, and so that's also been an issue that we've been dealing with certain communities priced out of places that they've historically been. Um, and so how do we navigate that big picture? And then like from an individual student perspective, you know, maybe a student started here and then they get priced out. So how do, how can they continue their education within the district? Um, so, you know, my team has just been, kind of exploring some of that, being able to show that with graphics, you know, graphics are super powerful. Mm. Inherently people, people know this about Seattle. They see it everywhere, but there's just something that hasn't hit to the point where people are ready to say like, we need to do something about it. Mm. And so that's where I think like a lot of the visuals can be really powerful and just finding ways and opportunities to share that message and get that message out there. For sure. Is it, is it, is it something you take home? Does it weigh heavy on you ever? Um, it does. It used to weigh, and that, it sounds bad, but it used to weigh really heavy on me when I was in New York. Mm. Like, I mean, New York is basically 99% brown and black. Like that's, that is what the Bronx was. And so I remember working on a project and I had just like, I had a vision for how this project was going to end in a way that I thought was just going to be so impactful for students and the community was not ready for it. I used to travel like two hours on the subway, lugging all my stuff every day to go out, talk about things week after week after week. And then we got to the, we got to this final point at the project and they were just like, Nope, we're not going to do it. And I just sat on the subway. I text my, we had the black, those little blackberries at the time. (laughs) and I tell my boss like how it ended and I just like I cried like I just cried on the subway ride home all the way from the Bronx to Brooklyn if you don't yeah that's a long ride I can imagine um and so I think my skin has gotten thicker in this work um I mean I've been doing this for nearly a decade and so I've had lots of people yell at me they yell at me all the time they come they have signs and so like when I first started like everything would shake me up and then my skin got thicker like you learn about um, how to talk about things and you learn not to take things personally Um, and then you just also realize doing the work that like this type of work is hard like when you are trying to make change it's not going to be fluffy and easy and nice and pretty, you know, that was one of the things that was so freeing about teaching class. Like you just go in there and it's just all good energy. People see you like, it was such a nice balance to my life because outside of it, people are uptight. They're angry. There's so much anxiety and certainty, you know, you're dealing with social conflict, right? Like that was my, that was my life. I, it's not nine to five. It was more like, you know, seven to 10. Mm-hmm. 
so teaching fitness was just has like was was it just like a really nice way to just feel like you can be around something really positive amazing because that was going to be my next segue like Mm -hmm. you just you just took it right out of my mouth i think what's amazing about fitness is that no matter what you like you're in it all together right no matter what your political beliefs are like you can work out next to someone who you have no idea what their political beliefs are or what their personal beliefs are but you're working out next to them and you're cheering each other on like to your point it's just like a place where we can all kind of come together and like have an understanding like of what we're doing uh Mm -hmm. When did you, when did you start teaching? So you went from East coast being an only child working through an eating disorder, working through identity issues. Um, when did fitness start to, I know you said you ran cross country. When did like teaching start to become a thing? Yeah. So I started when I was in New York city, I started a pacing, like run pacing. So, um, at the time had this like run club that was kind of started in New York city. And then they started it in all different cities, like major cities across the country and even some internationally. And so there was like different events and programming run programming every day of the week, essentially. So I was a pacer, While I was working um, in New York City at the Department of Education, I was also working part-time at a Nike store. So like literally selling shoes. And (laughs) so (laughs) um, like on the floor, (laughs) running to the back, getting shoes, like that type of thing. And then in order to pace, like you had to work a certain amount of hours in the store. So I was really only interested in pacing. Like you have to work in the store. Like you can't just pace because lots of people wanted to pace. So started working in the store, then started pacing. And I paced a few days a week. Um, like one day was just like an easy run. And then another day was like a speed workout. Um, and then I joined some of the other events. And that was like my first, um, I'd say, experience doing like group kind of like we had a coach that would put together the programming, but each of us were individually like implementing it within our groups. Got it. People were put in pace groups kind of based off of their like mile time and things like that. So that people were running the same speeds together. And um, you were uh, supposed to be like hitting the pace when you're, running. so everyone had to prescribe pace for whether we were doing just like a straight run or whether we were doing a workout. Um, and it was just awesome. Like, we had such a, I mean, again, cause New York is so diverse, like just mm. diversity of people and ages and bodies and experience with running people worked all different types of jobs. Um, you know, that was one thing for me. Like I had always felt like people who took fitness classes had a very similar profile. Like you had to make enough money to come be able to pay this amount of money to take a class. You had to have the ability to, you know, to transport yourself there, everything like that. Yeah, the distance. There's a lot of constraints to the way like boutique fitness is set up. And this in New York City, like was so different. Um, So that was like my first. And so when I came to Seattle, 
I first just wanted to get adjusted, but then I had this itch to like be back in that community and just also learn the city, meet people, meet people who are active. And that's when I um, saw that baseline was uh, uh, looking for instructors. So it was Mm. like the first of that hit style in Seattle proper. They had a Kirkland location that was already up and going and really successful. Um, and they did basically their training in house. So you just, they trained you and then they threw you in. Um, it was definitely a different style than pacing because running, like I've been running for a long time. I knew running, I felt comfortable in that space. Um, and this was just different, you know, you teach at Barry. So, you know, that, you know, you're teaching two different sections at one time. Yep. Um, and it's just, you have a certain clientele that expects certain things. True. So. Is so when did when did CSRD started getting into the mix? Like, what was timeline wise? Was baseline first, and then you started getting into that community, or so timeline timeline was baseline first. So I moved here in twenty fifteen in the summer. I started at baseline in twenty sixteen the next summer, and then oh wow, so pretty quickly, yeah. I like to stay busy. Yeah. Like, like I, I realized that was the other thing I noticed in New York city. Like I would work till 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. Like I would work and there. And if I didn't work till 10, there was stuff to do. And so after five o'clock people were not answering emails. And then <laughs> I was like, well, what do I do now? So I quickly like ran out of things. to do. Like, I can only work so much. Um, and I didn't, there wasn't really as much to do compared to New York. So 2016 started at baseline and then 2017 in February is when we started CSRD. So a little bit of running, um, with the Nike group that they had here. And then they just stopped. They just abruptly stopped. They said they were coming back after like a winter break and then they never started back again. So I remember that. Yeah. Did you, did you run with them? A couple of times, like at a U village. Yeah. 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 It's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I probably had seen you and I didn't even know. Totally. Totally. That's wild. It's so weird that they just randomly just stopped because I feel like it was a pretty good group. Yeah. I know that. I know that store closed down. Yeah. Um, so that probably had something to do with it. Um, so, so would you say CSRD was born out of that stopping or? Yeah, it was. I mean, I like, you know, people expect a different story that, but that is really how it kind of generated. I mean, that stopped and myself and my two other co-founders, we were basically like, we just want to create our own community then. Like, so we knew people who were already they're kind of in that space and they were also wanting to continue a community but we also recognized there were some things that we wanted to do differently um and so we basically got together and the first one we did was out of my apartment building i just told every create a facebook event told everyone to meet in my apartment we were going to run a mile and a half down we'll run a mile and a half we'll come back we'll eat breakfast foods from the grocery store um and then we'll go from there and that's what we did. The first run we did, again, February, it rained, you know, but we still had a good, like, 30, 35 people come. Yo, what? Yeah, yeah. 
Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And now you you have to join us. We have, even now on a a Monday, Mondays are like core day, our like home home game, however you'd want to call it, but our our, our all everything even with the darkness and the rain and the cold, like we still get 40 to 60 people come every Monday. That is epic. Yeah. That is epic. I mean, the fact that week one, y'all got like 30 people out there, that's day one. That's pretty crazy. I've, yeah. I've done like fitness boot camps out like for free and, you know, built it up from like four people. <laughs> get like but that's amazing i think like community building for you is is seems obviously you put in the work right and it's definitely not something that's easy to do it seems like it's something that you love to do though Mm -hmm. yeah i mean for me the thing that and this was really resonating with me this past year so many people want to create something that has their name on it rather than figure out like, wh- like, where is there a need? Like what, like, where is there a need and how can I fill that need? And so, you know, CSRD was always that for us. It was like, there's a need for this. How can we create something that meets that need rather than, oh, I want to start a run club. Like, and so, and, and we want to put a name to it. Because I think it would have a very different outcome and impact um, and just energy if it was driven by the fact that like myself and the other co-founders were like, well, we, wish, we just want to start something. Um, and I like, I totally get it. Like, I mean, that's kind of the way our society is driven. There's this like capitalistic, like, I want to, I want to start something. I want to own something. I want to build something. And there's, that's, that can be really awesome. But that is just not for me. Like that's right. me. I think that's really just smart of you. I mean, you've you do that for work, and like you know, because you lead with your intentions with your work, right? Like, okay, this is what we want to build. It's not for the sake of anything other than like the space needs it. And so when you take that into something else, I think it's really, I think people can feel that energy and like, yo, this is not just a running group. Like, that's not what this is about. You know, what are some, what are some core CSRD values and what did you want to bring to the table with CSRD other than just, just being a running group? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, like for us, the big thing was just being a space where people didn't have to attach any specific idea or identity to a runner. You know, when people think about what's a runner, and I'm, I'm sure you see this all the time in class, like people associate a runner with certain things. Like I can run this fast. I can run this far. Like mm-hmm. I like this. Like I don't breathe. He- like there are all these things that get attached to the idea of being a runner And it really came down to like, if you can move one foot in front of the other, you can run. And if you cannot run, you can walk. And if you can do any of those things, you can come join us. And so that was kind of where we just wanted to keep the space. And we've even now just be like, if you don't want to run or walk, you can just hang out with us. We've been trying to create more opportunities to do that. Or you can come cheer for us or 
you know, really extending what that community looks like. But uh, again, for us, it was just those things. And just also, it's really important for us to visually be able to show lots of different types of people from a race perspective, from a size perspective, age perspective, running with us. And, um, you know, David, he's just like the most awesome photographer and, and human uh, has been, he's one of our co-founders, you know, so lucky that he's there to be able to capture pictures and people see the picture and these are, these are so cool. But for us, like, it's so important to be able to have those visuals because most of the time when you see fitness spaces, marketing always shows a certain type of person. True. They're slowly changing. You can see like people, there's still a level of comfort that people have and companies have with showing different types of bodies. Um, but for us, it was really about welcoming people, not only by the way we lead and facilitate our group, but by the way we market and the way we talk about what we do and the way we invite people into the space. True. I, I think y'all are definitely ahead of the curve in, in that aspect. And to your point, it's it's coming along slowly as far as diversity and inclusion goes. Um, and then sometimes it feels forced, like, you know, are like are y'all doing this just because people are asking for it, or is it like a core belief in your company? Um, so that's always kind of tough to navigate as well, I think. Um, oh my gosh, I we're we've already put in a lot of work here and I have so much that I, so much that I want to talk to you about. Um, it's November 19th. Uh, I don't know if you want to dive into this at all, but I'm sure you saw the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. Mm -hmm. Do you mind diving into that at all a little bit? I have thoughts. If you don't want to take space for that, I totally understand. Yeah. Um, this is, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I wasn't really prepared to take space for it because I feel like I'm still processing myself. Same. Me either. Um, I, it's just, it was something that was, yeah, no, I was like, what the? F yeah. You know, the, the one thing I would just say, it's like, um, you know, as a, as a, as a black person, as a black woman, you know, these things, are not, I mean, they're not new, you know, and people talk about, you know, we need time to heal. And even that, even that rhetoric makes it feel like something new has happened. You know, like I've spent, I've spent 20 years, like trying to heal myself you know, and I continue to heal. So like, there's nothing new about this experience that like, I'm, I'm healing, like it's, it's old stuff. Like, and things like today make it really raw. And, you know, I, I feel at least a little fortunate that I live in a place like Seattle, where almost all the people that I'm surrounded with will feel similarly about today's verdict um, and not having to navigate spaces here where you know there are and and I'm sure they exist but they're quiet and especially in the circles that like you know we're in um, 
But I think for me, the, the thing that has also just been weighing on me over the past like six months, you know, there was so much energy around this a year ago and it's, it's like, it's dwindled. And right. So now like, an event like this happened today and, you know, energy comes back again, but like in what way, like in a productive way, mm. um, you know, for us within the group, we, you know, we don't necessarily bring politics into our group but we do stand firm about like how we support people and the importance of our our people you know both like all of our co-founders are people of color um and um we try with everything we do to really authentically create community and give back to community that was one thing that we recognized this year like how can we do more to give back to community especially because the reality is like a lot of us have means um it's you know the people that come that are immersed in a lot of like boutique fitness and fitness space and just like in seattle like with the tech companies, like people have the means to put money where they say their emotions and are. Um, and so if you're not doing that, then you, it doesn't. It falls flat. Right. Exactly. Yeah. When, when I first, and this can be the end of this conversation, but when I first saw it, it was like, I was just really confused at first I didn't understand. And then my kind of logical brain kicked in and like my defense mechanisms come in because I turn to me myself when, when I'm confronted with something like this, I always have to go neutral. Like I go into neutral mode, you know, Mm -hmm. see both sides of the story. So then I automatically went to like, okay, well, what's done is done. Right. Uh, but for me, it's like, okay, you got a second chance at life. (laughs) Like literally, how are you going to show up now? What type of person are you going to be from here? Right? Like, are you going to say stupid ass shit? Are you going to wear stupid ass clothes? that basically say what you're feeling. How are you going to show up for your fellow human being from here on out? And so that's how I processed it. It was like, all right, what are we going to do from here? Uh, anyway. Okay. Sorry about that. I just, no, no, it's and honestly, like Moses, it, nothing about that that like is honestly detached from life for for me so you know I like I tend to just like I I tend to try to stay like in the positive Mm -hmm. I mean it's also like my conscious decision not to talk actively about like my eating disorder for instance Mm -hmm. you think about social media like I could totally and like be in immersed in that space but if you like look at my what I post in my content, like you would honestly like never really know because I like choose because that's like I don't feel like I have the most value add there. There are things that I could, but I, I feel like I haven't fully processed it enough to be able to give. And it's something that I continue to think about, like if I want to do more in that space, but I'll do it on my own time. Like I don't force to do it. 
And so, you know, to, you know, today and just the concept of like being black, you know, I've talked about this with my colleagues at work. There's nowhere you can escape being black. Like in every space you are black. I mean, it's the same way, same way with any other person of color. Like you, you, you bring that into specific spaces. Um, and the level of racism that exists amongst black people, it has levels. Um, and especially black, like African-American um, individuals, because, and I mean, this is what I've seen and this is what I, what I feel. And, you know, there is some research on it, but black Americans versus like Africans who have immigrated here are seen to be the, tr like the troublemakers, lazier, like the ones who are seen at like the bottom of the barrel. Um, yeah that's yeah i i can't imagine what that's like growing up like because obviously being asian american it's it's different you know there's a there's a different stigma attached with being asian american okay wow that was a heavy portion of this part of the podcast uh flipping gears uh we're kind of running up against the clock. I want to be super respectful of your time. Thank you so much for hopping on. Um, we're just going to kind of go through some quick hitters here. So there's three different levels. Okay. Level one is kind of like quick one word answers. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. It's either or, or would you rather? Uh, okay. Are you a pizza or a taco person? Uh, taco. Pizza though, so that's a hard one, but a good taco. <laughs> Do you have a favorite taco spot? I like Rocket Tacos um, up in Capitol Hill. Delicious. They make all different types of tacos, and it's right by um, Hello Robin. So you can like get some tacos, and then you can get some cookies, and you can get some ice cream. It's like a one-stop shop. So what, what's it called again? Uh, Rocket Tacos. Okay, I'll yeah. have to check that spot out. Yeah. It's a good spot. Um. Are you a dog or a cat person? I would say a cat person. Um, for those who know me, like I'm not a big pet person. Um, and so I don't know that I could really handle a dog, um, but I could handle a cat. I'm just being real with you. Do, uh, do you have a favorite animal that's maybe it's different than a dog or a cat? A human. That's probably it. <laughs> what, a, what a fantastic answer. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, are you a texter or a caller? Um, a texter. Do you get people who say they're callers? Sometimes. Yeah. It's always shocking to me. Like, would you rather text someone or call them? And some people are like, I actually, you know, I text a lot, but I prefer to talk to someone. Yeah. I get some people who are, um, you know, the voice messages. Yeah. Rather than a text, the yeah. voice yeah. message. Yep. Yeah. A lot of that. A lot of that. Uh, would you rather spend time at the beach or in nature, like the mountains and forests? Oh, those are hard. Cause I like, I like the sun, but I don't like the beach. I don't like to lounge. I'm not a lounger. Clearly. It just, yeah. <laughs> so I guess nature, walk, keep moving. What's, what's funny is I wasn't really into hiking or nature until the past like two years. But the beach, I'm kind of the same way. Like, I'm not trying to hang out in one spot for like two or three hours. 
Yeah. And sand isn't necessarily my favorite thing. Yeah, same. I feel you on that. Like, it stays with you for three years. Like, you find sand in your car, like, from three years ago. Anyway, yeah. So, that's that's kind of a tough one. Yeah. Would, Would you rather explore the depth of the ocean or space? The depth of the ocean. I'm like... I don't know. Space seems, I feel like I could die going into space. That sure. I, it Conceptually, it seems really cool, but especially with all the focus on space, it, like when I see it, it actually seems very scary. So I think I'll stick with the ocean. For sure. I think, I think both are very, very fascinating. Like yeah. trying to explore what we don't know about the ocean. To your point, trying to explore space seems rather dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there's obviously infinite possibilities out there, but really like exploring the ocean, that'd be fucking cool too. All right. We're moving on to level two. It's going to be like more than one word answers, but still kind of fun. Uh, if you had, a, if you had like a superhero power, what would it be? A superhero power. Oh, um, Oh, this is such a hard one. I don't, I don't know. I just, um, so I like, I'm, I'm a very action oriented person. I just, I was, so I wouldn't call it a superhero level, but I, I'm not really always like the best with my words. Like I'm like, I, I lead by like doing, I don't mm-hmm. consider myself like a, an orator by any means so if i could have a superhero power it would just be like having really powerful words like gift a, to, gift, gift a gab yes so like not less gab and more just like substance yeah okay okay i feel you i feel you uh what's your favorite favorite meal my favorite meal will be buffalo wings As people know me i love wings i just love them <laughs> do you have a favorite buffalo wing spot um any anything with like a sizable wing so like i mean you i like have those little weak wings no no, no 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 like i want the level of reward for my work to be um yeah higher than the amount of work that i have to put in to get the reward you'd have you'd rather have eight hearty ass wings versus yeah. 25 yeah you know, i don't i don't want to be like trying to get through the bone and like licking my fingers. <laughs> no, I want to be able to take a bite and really get into something that I feel connected to. I right? feel you. I feel you. Uh, yeah. Do you have a current podcast or a show that you're obsessed with right now? Do you watch TV? I, um, I watch a little bit of TV. Um, I was going to say, it doesn't seem like you have a lot of time. I honestly, when I, oh, I, I like fall. So I fall asleep on the couch every night. Just about every night. I know a lot of people like that. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so bad. Like sometimes I'll wake up at like 1, 2, 3 a.m. And I'll find myself like on the couch still sleeping, go to bed. Um, So when I do watch TV, like I watch a lot of just like mindless TV. So my um, partner and I like will watch this nightly news, which is like 20 minutes of like the news from the day. And then I really like The Masked Singer. And um, I've been watching uh, Queens, which just came out, that has Brandy and Eve in it. Um, oh, yeah. It's been fun. 
Um, and then I had watched um, a few other like shows during quarantine. And then podcasts. I honestly don't listen like to too many podcasts. Um, and I, I, I should start getting into it. But when I run, I don't listen to music. I like, like to run with other people. And then when I'm in the car, sometimes I listen to podcasts. And most of the time, though, I just kind of like take time because I'm always going. So I'll just like let my mind go or I'll like hands free, like catch up with um, my mom or dad. I feel you. So many times in the car, I just listen to nothing. <laughs> like our my my life is so constantly run by loud yeah. music. Yeah. Oh gosh. I'm like I'm just like Mm-mm, nothing. Yeah. So I feel you. Uh, I wasn't really into big into podcasts, which is funny because I'm doing one. But uh, like yeah. honestly, what this was born out of was just wanting to talk to people. Yeah. And, and get to know people and hear people's stories. And then, yeah, but I've, I've listened to several of your episodes and they're great. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. But like, I just wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to talk to people and I was like, well, I guess I should record it so other people can hear it. Cause I'm mainly just talking to people I know and some of my friends. So, uh, like, I'm like, I guess I should just record it so other people can hear it. So, um, yeah, why not? Uh, cool. Uh, this one's kind of tough. Mount Rushmore of musical artists. And that could mean anything to you. It could be like, like most influential, who you listen to the most, at least three, but hopefully four. Uh, Well, I have like four that come to mind. Yeah. 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 Cause it's always like the initial four. Yeah. Well, I mean, these are probably just the ones that I like listen to slash like appreciate um, and I think they have five. I'm just trying to, they're coming to my head pretty quickly. Although my, yeah, let's hear them. Yeah. So Mary J. Blige. Ooh, good one. Um, Usher, of course, people who know me. Mm. Uh, C. Elliott. Ludacris. Um, and I think that, well, that's four. I thought I had one more, but those are the ones that like come to mind uh, first off. That's a really good list. Yeah. I think people will be really excited to hear that list. Um, what's your uh, favorite way to work out? I feel like I probably know this answer. Running. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I love to run too. I think if any, everything was taken away and I had to choose one way to work out, it would probably be running. I see you do quite a bit of running. Like, I don't know why you haven't come around with us. I, I love to run. I, it's just like, always running. I know. I, I love to run. I don't love running long distances. Like a you don't have to run. We don't, we don't run long. Yeah. I like the only reason why I haven't come out yet is because of timing. Oh. That's the only reason. Like, yeah, the, the community looks super dope. Like, obviously I know you, I know Evis. I know a bunch of people that run with y'all. So it's just a matter of like alignment um, and it's going to happen. We'll, uh, we'll create a special day, just a day that you can come. So you oh like, my gosh, yeah. we'll like plan an event around. That'd be amazing. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Level three. This is the final level. What advice would you give to your younger self? Advice to my younger self. Um, 
I think that I would just tell myself to just to be patient and to trust my path, like path that is 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 meant for me um, will will be there and will show itself. Um, I feel like my younger self just felt like I was never on like where everyone else was. Um, and so I think that um, if I could just like recognize that I needed to be patient and if I could see the things that were on the other side after being patient, like where I am today, um, my younger self would, would feel more comfortable being patient around that. That's, that's really good advice. I think, I think it's important, especially for doers like yourself to keep that flow or grind or whatever word you want to use, keep that going, but also have that understanding that it's like, it's going to lead to something because you can't just like chill and hang out and expect something to happen. Like you still got to make things happen, but then have that trust that that work that you're putting in is going to lead to something. So mm-hmm. like, obviously I think you growing up, you're still a doer growing up. So I think that's really good advice to yourself. Um, any short-term and long-term goals you have, like stuff you want to accomplish within the year and then maybe like five, 10 years. Short-term, I just want to keep like, again, figuring out what our community needs and like trying to create that, um, and then I think another short-term goal, um, and I was talking with um, a fellow Lululemon ambassador out of Portland, um, Rajiv Hari, and the man. We just, yeah, we were just like we were specifically talking about just like our black, the black communities that exist within our spaces, and we were reflecting on like sometimes it's good to just like not lead, like just go to things, be a part of things, like experience things, learn from other people. And I feel like I've been trying to do that over the past several months. You know, I've, I have kind of stepped away from a few things just in order to give myself some more time, some sleep. Um, Life has just been busy, but it's also allowed me the ability to just be a part of things rather than feel like I'm always having to lead. Mm. And I've learned so much. Like I've been able to see other running groups across different spaces in other cities and just like be immersed in it as a participant and kind of gather like, what do I like from this? Same way that you would do like as an instructor going to someone else's class, taking it in and seeing like, what do I like about this? You know, how can I use? What can I learn from this? True. Um, So just doing the same thing within the running space. So that was another short-term goal. And then long-term, um, long-term, I would love to continue to find ways to tie in giving into um, different activities that we're continuing to do with the run group. Um, and then also just like individually, like as personally. So um, I've had this idea of like starting a micro fund um, to be able to like give to different causes that are like specifically really meaningful. Um, and so I'm just trying to like figure out how I can be really thoughtful about planning and saving, um, in order to do that. 
That's really cool. The, if like that kind of leads into my next question is like, if you could start like charity work, like your own foundation or your own charity, what do you think it would involve? Yeah. And I think like, that's exactly it. So like my idea would be like a, 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 a fund that um, would have like give out, I don't know, like grants to different organizations, nonprofits within the wellness and youth space. Those are the two areas that like are super meaningful to me, but I haven't, I haven't really merged them. Like besides girls on the run, which I'm a board member on, but otherwise like my work at the school district is youth focused. And then wellness has been fitness. I'd say that because wellness and fitness are not the same thing. People like to call fitness wellness and it's not. Fitness is a, to me a lot wrapped up into marketing and things that continue to need work and wellness is a more holistic sense of things but um, I think that that is what my foundation would um, kind of wrap around giving to organizations that are focused on um, wellness and youth yeah that's amazing what's really quickly because we're running up on time what what uh what's girls on the run about so girls on the run is a nonprofit um, that across the country that basically um, brings together girls who are in third, fourth, and fifth grade, and they learn about different life skills, different things about um, just navigating relationships, about their feelings, about their bodies, while incorporating a movement component, which is running. They don't actually run that much in practice, but it all culminates with a 5K. So they like do a little bit of activity, and then at the end, they will run a 5K. That's so cool. Was I just got, I talked to Willie Seals like two weeks ago. Yeah. And he's, he basically does the same thing with boys. Yeah. Really yeah. Cool. He's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, if there's one thing you could change in the fitness industry, what would it be? Oh, that is so much. I feel like, I feel like you have like 10 things, but. I have so many things. I mean, so if I could choose one thing, um, and it's been really interesting hearing you talk to people about this and the different things that people say, because everyone's going to have a different perspective based off, you know, how they're situated within the fitness industry. So I recognize that, um, you know, my answer will be different from that perspective, but I would just like really continue to challenge people in how they think about inclusivity and accessibility. And so you know, people think that it's just about color. Like that's kind of the, the hot thing right now, racial inclusion. And it's like, it's so much more than that, mm. um, especially within our movement spaces. You know, one thing that always resonated with me about HIT and like, you know, you teach also in a class where they have, where they have benches, right? So it's like, if you're cueing a movement on a bench, can everyone fit comfortably on the bench? Mm. And if they can't, then that movement is not inclusive. And so um, I think that, and again, it's by no fault of anyone, like it takes a lot of intentional work. So I, um, I would love, and this is like another maybe like medium term goal of mine to have a space amongst all of us fitness professionals in Seattle, where we can deconstruct our practices around inclusion um, within each of our spaces and really try to like break it down, figure out how we can work together 
so that any person of any size of any color can go from running with us to any class in Seattle and feel equally welcome. That would be dope. I think it would have to take a lot of pride being stepped to the side. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, cause we get offended. So like, and we get defensive, I should say so easily like, Oh no, we're doing, we're doing this and we're doing that. And we're, you know, like we all can get wrapped up in that, but it's like, like, hold up, like just sit back and like, listen, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, like yep. sit back and listen for a sec. Yeah. Um, uh, what would you say your why is like, why you wake up in the morning? Why you put in so much work? Why you do community building, work your job, coach fitness, things like that. I just want, I just want people to, you know, I want people to feel connected and I, and, but that comes from a desire for, for me to want people to just feel like joy, Mm. feel that the, the key to joy is being connected. Like, you know, we, we talk about, you know, you need to work on your inward, you need to work on yourself, totally like feel like that's necessary, but I feel like we are here we are all here together to be able to learn and grow and live off of each other, right? There's so much power in other people. And I can't imagine my life without the experiences of just the powerful people who exist in this world with me. And I, um, I just want people to be in a place where they can personally have the space to receive and also people can feel open to give, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that looks like a lot of different ways in a lot of different spaces. And I think that is my why. That's true. That's a really, really great answer. I love that answer. Um, last question. Who would you want to hear on the Off the Waitlist podcast? Do you have any people? And you have to help me get them on. Yeah. Um, so... I would love to have Brittany on. Um, uh, You're like the second or third person. Yep. I would love to have Robel on. Um, He just has like so much wisdom and so much to share and powerful words. I think it'll be great for the community here. Um, And then, um, yeah, there's like, there's so many, there's tons of people, just, just Seattle or just, anywhere anywhere well those two alone would provide so much value yeah all right i'm I'm, i reached out to Brittany, and Brittany and i have chatted about it and it's gonna happen at some point rebel i'm like a little intimidated by but it's gonna no that's okay it's gonna it's gonna happen as well yeah i just respect him so much um and you know i think that's something that like we can like as fitness professionals across, like if we can find ways to just talk to each other more, we can do those things that like I was mentioning in terms of inclusion, like there are are things that we can support each other with if we could just talk to each other more. True. Uh, Okay. I close every episode like this. You got to let the people know where they can find you, how they can connect with you, where they can take your classes, all of that good stuff. Don't leave anything out. It's not self-promotion because I'm forcing you to do it. Go ahead. 
Um, so I um, help the run club that meets on Mondays at 6.30 p.m. at uh, the Museum of History and Industry in South Lake Union. We also meet on Saturdays at 8 a.m. and then we have events all over the place. Um, so just uh, either find us on Facebook or we have an app called Halo where we hold all our events. Um, and then otherwise, I'm not teaching um, in-person classes right now or virtual, um, but I hope to be back in that space uh, in the future. So in the meantime, you can just find me um, at dreambig underscore Davies as well on Instagram. Perfect. Yeah. And we'll link that in when we put the description out and everything like that. Thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom, for your story, for sharing, um, for being vulnerable, for being strong, all that stuff. Uh, you were by far the most requested person. So I'm really mm -hmm. glad we got a chance to do yeah. that um, and get to know each other a little more. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks Moses for creating this space. It's um so much behind each of us and uh i think you should have an episode where someone interviews you because i know that people would love to hear <laughs> and i'm just i'm just also one thing that i think is really important um and i hope that we can create more spaces to do this like we promote each other in just like these quick ways but the thing that i think is really powerful is just Telling people how proud you are of them. Um, and I'm just like, I'm really proud of you for creating this space and like being able to share more of your story with us. I know that you've talked about like the change in your handle and other things like that. Um, and so I just hope that we can all continue to kind of share the things that we're um, proud of each other for. I appreciate you so much. That means a lot to me coming from you, especially so. Oh, thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. Um, have a great rest of your evening. Have a great yeah. weekend. I'm gonna Thanks come out. I'm gonna come out soon. Yeah. SRD, you will see me out there. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks, Moses. Have a good one. You too. Bye.